Welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I'm Dustin Roberts, your host, and for the next half hour, we'll be discussing how the Feast of Tabernacles affects you. As believers, we might think the biblical feast days are just part of an Old Testament tradition or that they're only for the Jewish people, but that's simply not true. And this week, we're in the middle of celebrating Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles, which points us to the time of Jesus' second coming. And to help us understand what these fall holy days have to do with believers in Jesus, here is Rabbi Schneider with several of his friends from inside of his sukkah with today's special feast of tabernacles message when the israelites when we as people were in the wilderness for 40 years during the time that the lord delivered us from egypt what, what was still bringing us into the promised land that 40-year journey we were living in the wilderness with nothing but god living in these temporary structures called a sukkah and I simply made the application last time that every year when we build ourselves a sukkah and we sit in it like we're doing today, we're reminded as we look through the roof that all we really have in the world is God. Even as Israel had nothing in the world during those 40 years in the wilderness but Hashem, but God, He was enough. He provided for them manna every day, six days a week for 40 years. He caused water to supernaturally come out of a rock. He sent the quail to feed them later every day. God took care of them. And the application that I made on last time's broadcast was this, and it's very powerful. Don't let it go over your head. If you lost everything, you would still be okay because you would still have God and he would cover you and take care of all your needs just like he did Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. It's an important truth that can really bring freedom into your life. Sometimes we think it all depends on us. Yeah. Yeah. We think if we don't keep it going, yeah. it's all gonna fall apart. Yeah. But the truth is, beloved, even if everything around us fell apart, yeah. we would still have God and having him would be enough, we'd be okay. Yeah. And so I covered that last time. I want to move on now to new ground. As we're in the book of Leviticus, we call in Hebrew, Vayikra, chapter 23. I want to read verse number 40 for you once again. It says, now on the first day, this is the first day of, of Sukkot. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees palm branches and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So the children of Israel were commanded to take the species of different agricultural products from the land that represented the beauty and the bounty of the Lord. And this is called the lulav, the willow, the palm, the etrog. And we wave it before the Lord in all directions, up and down, up and down, thanking God, representing that everything that we have comes from Him. Every good gift that we have, the loved ones in our life, the food on our table, the roof over our head. 
Whatever health we have, every provision that we have in life has come to us as a gift from God. And so during the Feast of Tabernacles, during the Feast of Sukkot, we wave the lulav, once again, representing the beauty and the bounty of the Lord that comes into our life. We wave it in recognition and in honor of the fact that every good gift that we've enjoyed in our life has been a gift from Hashem. Isn't every breath that we take really a gift from God? I mean, really, we didn't do anything to create ourselves, right? I mean, the beauty that we experience just being with each other, looking at these beautiful people today that I'm surrounded with, the love that we enjoy, the friendship, you know, that we've established. Where does friendship come from? You know, where does love come from? It's all a gift from, from God. And so the Lord said that during this particular time of year, we should remember that yeah. and not take it for granted. So many people today, you know, they're willing to enjoy, for example, the beautiful nature that even we're surrounded in now, but they don't give God credit for creating it. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, aren't those mountains beautiful? Oh, I don't believe in God, but I love those mountains. Mm. Oh, I don't believe in God, but aren't those birds beautiful? It's like that's the spiritual mindset that's seeping over the earth right now. But we're a called out people, amen? Yes. We say, God, thank you for the beauty. You yes. created it. Yes. Thank you for my loved ones. Yes. Thank you for whatever's good in my life. So this is a time to rejoice. And actually, Ryan, I love what this verse says here. We sometimes don't realize that it says in verse 40, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. And do you know, at another place in the Torah, the Lord actually brought a curse, a penalty, upon his people because they didn't rejoice before him yeah. when he was doing good things. Yeah. And he said, because you didn't rejoice and weren't grateful to me when I blessed you, mm. now I'm gonna send a curse upon you to teach you gratitude. So it's important to consider. I mean, I don't know about you, but for myself sometimes, you know, just being flesh and, you know, being corrupt, yeah. I have to sometimes snap myself out of it. Yeah. Like, you know, my wife, Cynthia, has to tell me a lot of times, you are a blessed man. Yeah. And I have to say, yes, you are right. Because God could take all this away any second. Yeah. Well, anything anyone would like to add today? reassuring that he wants us to be happy and he wants us to rejoice and, yeah. and be thankful for him and reminds us of that. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really powerful point. You know, when you're saying that, Ryan, it, it makes me think about the war that we're in. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying, just knowing that God wants us to be happy, yeah. he wants us to rejoice and recognizing, you know, we're up against darkness yeah. that doesn't want us to be happy and doesn't want, and we have to make that choice to get an agreement. It's a good point. It's interesting how um, he ties rejoicing with reminding what he's done in our lives mm -hmm. for what he wants to do going forward. And so connecting with the fact that our rejoicing reminds us of all the victories that he's brought us through, preparing us for whatever we have to go through beyond that point. Good point, because this feast yeah. is a celebration of the fall harvest. It was the last great harvest in Israel for the year before winter came, because this is the fall feast and the last one. But part of the celebration of this feast takes place on the last day of it. It's actually written about in the Gospel of John chapter seven. 
It was called the Great Day of the Feast, and there's a special ceremony that took place in this day called Hoshana Rabbah, which was a water pouring ceremony. And what happened was that everyone would gather together at the temple, and there'd be a big processional of the priest, and they'd be singing and dancing. They would walk from the temple down to the Pool of Siloam. And then when they got to the Pool of Siloam, the priest would take a pitcher, he would dip it into the waters of Siloam, and then they would begin to walk back to the temple. And everybody would be singing and praising and dancing. We have all types of historical records of this. In fact, the ecstasy of the celebration and the rejoicing was so intense that we have writings of rabbis doing cartwheels and praising God while they were standing on their head. And the question is, well, why? You know, what was going on? And the reason is, on this last day of Sukkot, when they took that water from Siloam to the temple, at the height of the rejoicing and the praise, the priest would then pour the water on the altar at the temple, and that's when the praise would reach its crescendo. And the reason is that that water that was being poured out on the altar at the temple, it represented the rain that Israel was expecting God to bless them with in the coming winter months, so that that would in turn give them a great new harvest in the spring. So it was rejoicing for what the Lord had already done, but it was also a confidence in what Hashem was going to do for them in the future. There was an expectation of future blessing. And by the way, it also represented the confidence they had that the Lord was going to be sending Messiah. And that when Messiah came, water would be poured out, spiritual water on the people. Of course, we know that Yeshua was right there in the midst. In fact, Yeshua cried out in John 7, if any man is thirsty, you know, as the water is being poured out, he says, if any man's thirsty, come to me and drink and rivers of living water will spring forth from your innermost being. So it's good to just talk about this together because we're in a battle. Yeah. I mean, with, with everything that people are facing in the world right now and the ugliness in society that we're seeing right now, just a lot of divisiveness that we've experienced and, and so on and so forth, we need to remind ourselves that yeah. God's a good God. Amen. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to rejoice. And so I want to thank you, Lord, that these feasts that we celebrate every year, they bring us back into spiritual alignment. You see, these feasts, these holy days of the Lord, these seven holy days, plus the Sabbath, it's like an opportunity for a spiritual tune-up. It's like your car eventually, you know, it starts, so the timing starts getting off. So it needs to be readjusted. So celebrating these holy days is an opportunity for us to say, yes, thank you, Lord, for my salvation on Yom Kippur, that my sins are forgiven. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, and Rabbi will be right back. If you're looking to better equip yourself in your study, pursuit, and growth in Jesus the Messiah, be sure to go online and explore our treasury of Messianic content. You'll find Messianic teaching tools and videos, information about God's seven annual feasts, the Hebrew names, titles of God, and so much more. This content is ready and available for you today online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. At the core of everything we do at Discovering the Jewish Jesus is our commitment to declare the whole counsel of God's Word from start to finish. 
In fact, Rabbi's unique way of connecting the Old and the New Testaments has helped people all over the world to understand the Bible with fresh eyes. To join us in this work of God, give a donation online today at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. And now here is Rabbi Schneider. Well, listen, before we run out of time, beloved ones, let's get into some specific applications from the Feast of Tabernacles for your life and my life. The Feast of Tabernacles teaches us to walk in an attitude of dependency. Because when you think about it, Jennifer, every single day, six days a week, the children of Israel had to rely on the Lord for new manna. What happened if they tried to hang on to yesterday's manna? It rotted, it, got, it became foul. It only lasted for a day. So every day they were dependent. Every single day it had to be a new thing. And so I think about this concept of clinging to God, how important it is to cling to God, of being dependent, of trusting Him. And without that attitude of dependency, there's not an open door in our soul for Him to move through. You know, I think about Moses and how Moses, when the Lord said, I want you to deliver my people from Egypt. And Moses said, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. That's kind of how I feel in my life. It's kind of like, Lord, if you're not gonna be with me today, kill me now. (laughs) Because I know that without you, I'm just a victim. I'm just like out here, you know, a target for the enemy. So we live in this concept of dependency on the Lord every day for our provision, for our health, for our safety, for our protection. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the next one. I love this concept that one of the things that Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles teaches us is that we need to cultivate a mindset where the unseen realm becomes more real to us than the seen realm. Mm. Because the children of Israel, they were relying on an unseen God. You know, everything that they were receiving was coming from this unseen God. And yet he was more real to them than everything else. Now I think about, you know, application. How many times have we been taught that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the unseen, invisible forces of spiritual wickedness, right? We're taught that. That our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the the realm of the material world. It's against an unseen force of wickedness. But if I look at my own life, I have to consider myself a big failure many times because I look at situations and I think my problem is dealing with flesh and blood in my thinking rather than recognizing my problem is not the circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's not in what I see. Mm -hmm. My problem is in the unseen realm of my thought, Mm -hmm. which comes from the realm of the spirit. So to be able to make that shift to recognize that our real battle and what's real in life is not what's visible. What's really going on is what's invisible. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not gonna be long. I'm 62 years old. I'm gonna be off this planet. I mean, it's gonna be like, what happened to that guy? He's gone, he's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, it's like all this that we thought was real. I mean, there's so many people, you know, the older we get, the people are here today like a vapor in the wind, They're, they're gone. All these people have come and gone. Mm -hmm. It's not what's visible that's real. It's what's invisible that's real. And that's what we need to be living for. Any thoughts on that before we move on to our next point today? Yeah, I was thinking the, um, 
the struggle, oftentimes I'm reminded of that even we have in our flesh, um, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not even wrestling against us when we fail or when we sin. Or, uh, oftentimes we think it's just us, but we're being fought by forces and powers that we can't see. And so uh, that verse of scripture, often I'm reminded, I'm not wrestling against me. I'm wrestling against forces of darkness. So. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Brandon, as you're saying that, even, even the consequences of sin and, and how we sometimes deal with those consequences. And once again, it gets back to the unseen realm and the fact that we process things wrong because the truth is we know that the Bible says if we sin, I'm not talking about people that lead a lifestyle of willfully sinning and are not caring about God. I'm talking about people that love God and are striving, but still they fall and fail at times in their quest for perfection. In their journey to perfection, we still fall and fail and stumble at times. And sometimes what happens is, rather than believing that Jesus still loves us, that we're forgiven, instead we get all this self-accusation, yeah. yeah. this shame, exactly. this self-condemnation, yeah. and we think it's coming from our own mind, yeah. And it's really, it's just a plot of the enemy. So yeah, so Sukkot teaches us that we need to be recognizing that the real battle is in the unseen realm. You know what's another great principle about Sukkot that I think you guys will love? Is that it really equals and levels the playing field for humanity. You know, in the wilderness, you didn't have some Israelites living in mansions and other Israelites, you know, living in flimsy, you know, tents with holes through their roof. They all lived in the same kind of structures. Everybody was equal. You know, they all ate the same food. They all had the same manna. They all had the same quail. And it really shows us that before the Lord, we're all just human beings and we're all the same. And we need to respect all humanity. In fact, one of the keys of Judaism is to never hate a fellow Jew. It is built into Jewish identity, even though we know that still there's a lot of arguing amongst the Jewish people, there always has been. But the teaching is that the actual temple was destroyed because there was senseless hatred, Jew versus Jew. This is what part of rabbinic teaching. So during Sukkot, Jewish people really strive to cultivate this attitude of love for each other, love for the Jewish people, love for fellow Jews, and even to entertain strangers. It's a custom during Sukkot to invite a stranger into your sukkah and to have a meal with them. And so I kind of love that concept, just brotherhood and humanity and, and loving each other and, and respecting people regardless of their position in life. And lastly today, as I close, I'd like to bring up one more principle here. The Feast of Tabernacles cultivates an end times mindset. Because as I was indicating on the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, the priest would take water from the Pool of Siloam and pour it on the altar at the temple and everybody would just go ecstatic in their praise to the Lord. And one of the reasons for that is because the water being poured on the altar symbolized the water that would be poured out upon the earth by the Spirit when Messiah came. And so today we recognize that uh, the Feast of Tabernacles carries with it a mindset of Messiah's coming. And in fact, in the book of Zechariah, the Bible tells us 
that during the millennial kingdom, Jew and Gentile alike will worship the God of Israel and the Father of Yeshua together during the Feast of Tabernacles. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and the Bible Teaching of Rabbi Schneider. Today's message is from our special Fall Holy Day series, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. And well, right now, we're in the middle of what Jewish people around the world call the High Holy Days, and we're celebrating Sukkot, which we know as the Feast of Tabernacles. And this time of year provides a natural opportunity for us to rejoice in the beauty of God's creation and in the provision of what he's given us. Because when we walk with an attitude of dependency on the Lord, we're actually allowing others to see the goodness of God's plan and purposes shining through our lives. These special set apart days are important appointments that God set up. So as we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles this week, would you take some time to rejoice before the Lord? Take some time to give thanks for what he's done and what he will do in your life. And if you've been blessed by this ministry through Rabbi's teachings on the celebration of tabernacles, would you consider how you could bless others through discovering the Jewish Jesus? Now here is Rabbi once again. Beloved, I pray that you're sensing that the Lord is doing something special in your life during this holy season. I know in my life there's been several times that Father has done something really unique right in the midst of this season that we're in right now. Do you know, one of the things that's important for God to fully work in our lives is that we respond to Him. We read in the book of Leviticus, chapter number 23, verse 25 and 35, that the Lord called Israel to respond to Him during this season by having them present to Him a special offering by fire. If you're feeling the Holy Spirit inquiring in your heart as to whether you'll respond to the Father during this season, beloved, I want to encourage you to take action. And if the Lord is asking you to present an offering to Him, would you consider doing it through discovering the Jewish Jesus this year? I want to thank you, beloved. God bless you and shalom. To sow your special Fall Holy Days offering, call 800-777-7835 or give your gift online by going to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. You can also send your special Fall Holy Days offering in the mail when you write to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan 49228. And as our way of saying thank you, we'll be sending you Rabbi Schneider message of the month, which is available as a download. And we'll include our current newsletter that's filled with updates, special holiday announcements, and so much more. And for those who become a new monthly partner, we'll also include an additional gift of appreciation, an exclusive and authentic shofar that's custom handmade in Israel. And it makes a great conversation starter. If you'd like to see it, just visit our website. And then I I want to take a minute to remind you that today is the day Rabbi will be live from Jerusalem. You can learn more about it at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And now let's wrap up today's program with a special blessing from Rabbi Schneider. What I love about the ironic blessing is that it did not originate with man. The words actually proceeded from the very essence of God himself. The blessing comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. So listen to these words and receive the blessing of the Lord into your life today. 
shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Join us tomorrow when Rabbi Schneider asks an important question. Do you need an attitude realignment? Learn the answer Tuesday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.